Hi, welcome. This podcast is called Sacred Ritual, designed to help motivate and inspire those who participate in the daily ritual of devotion and meditation on the things of God. To new listeners, I'm Danae Richardson. Welcome. To my friends and church family participating, thank you for being in my life. So we are following along Christ's life throughout the four Gospels chronologically. At least that's what my efforts and attempts are. Uh, So we're going to continue in that. But before we move on, please share this podcast link. Follow the show and let's grow together in the daily ritual of seeking the Lord. So... The last podcast, we talked about how Moses came off the mountain after communication with God. And because of the people's choices to not communicate with God for themselves, God initially intended for the people of God to be a nation of priests. And they were too scared to involve themselves in that. And in one sense, I can understand and appreciate their trepidation and anxiety because God is all powerful and uh, that can that can uh, be overwhelming sometimes. But God is also a father and has, good plans and good intentions and to trust him even when you're nervous is such an empowering place to be in your life and I wish that those ancients would have done that. I wish they would have trusted that this all-powerful God had good plans for them. Nevertheless, um, we end up in a situation where Moses goes in the mountain, up to the mountain, and comes back with the law. And the law was important. It kept them um, safe. It kept them healthy. It kept them um, in uh, a good moral standing in the community. It was just, it was the safest, best way for humanity to live their lives, um, especially a humanity that was on the move as they were in the book of Exodus and through the wilderness years. Um, But then you get the complete opposite of that when you get to Jesus Christ. Jesus comes and they criticize him, and you'll have to hear the earlier podcasts, but they really give him a hard time about his disciples walking along a a cornfield and breaking off a few kernels and popping them in their mouths as they walk along. And they said, ha, your disciples are working on the Sabbath. They just gathered harvest. And uh, Jesus healed some people on the Sabbath. And they said, uh, you know, you're breaking the law. You worked on the Sabbath by performing a miracle. And of course, Jesus said, um, the Sabbath, the whole reason we have this was to be a help to mankind. Mankind was not created to appease 
the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for the man. And so we won't focus on that right now. The earlier podcasts do talk about those things. But Moses went up on the mountain and came down with a law. Jesus goes up on a mountain and comes down with a way of life, a a response, a way of understanding. And we call them the Beatitudes. Now, Jesus did not come down from the mountain and saying, I'm going to now give you the Beatitudes. Um, The Beatitudes comes from, um, I believe, a Latin word. Unfortunately, I I wrote down um, in my notes the the definition, um, Beati, B-E-A-T-I, and S-U-N-T. Um, I, I can't remember if it's Latin or Greek, but anyway, it I believe it's Latin, and it means blessed are, because Jesus goes into this back-to-back um, address where he says, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. It's so funny, I, um, I grew up with ministers in the pulpit saying, blessed, blessed are the poor, blessed are the uh, blessed. And so I have to make myself say blessed instead of blessed. Um, But this is really important for us to understand because life is not easy. Life is made up of a series of events that are good, bad, and ugly. And Our response to these events that happen in our life is important to our health and how we look at them. You know, we've got um, we've got scriptures of Paul, the Apostle Paul, talking about glorying in his afflictions. Well, you know, that's almost sounds sadistic. It you know to glory in your afflictions. Like we don't want to focus on the difficulties of life. But one thing you learn, and we learn it from Christ, Paul learned this from Christ, what we're about to study right now. And that is, to everything there is a season. There is a time to laugh and a time to cry. Um, Last year, I I was having some uh, young moms over to my house for some Bible studies, and um, they came, I think they came for a month, once a week for a month, and um, it was always sweet and uh, sad for the children to leave because they didn't want to leave, which of course I love very much that they enjoyed being at my house so much that they didn't want to leave, Um, but one of the things I would say to them is, you you can't come back if you don't leave. <laughs> That's how you get to experience the fun of coming back to Sister Danae's house is you have to leave so you can come back. <laughs> um, that's, that's difficult to understand as a child. And as an adult, we can understand it when I say it that way. But when we are ourselves going through a time to cry, we don't like that. We, we want to live, we think, we think we want to live in a state of a time to laugh. We think we want to live in those states, but those states cannot sustain themselves. The way it works is you've got to get back around to a time to cry 
so that you can come back to a time to laugh. So Jesus um, goes up to the mountain. He has this time of prayer and he comes off of the mountain and he starts giving this sermon in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. And it starts with, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, I want to talk about the word blessed. Um, And I'm going to start talking about it by telling you about an encounter I had with a um, young lady in college a few years ago. And she was dealing with the normal, and I want to stress normal, (laughs) occurrence of going to college and feeling uncertain, um, getting um, that those feelings of it's very common for people when they go away to college to discover um, depression or to discover anxiety. Um, it's very common for um, young people in their first year of college to um, have health issues, either gaining weight or losing weight that is not um, good for their frame um, or good for their health. And some of that has to do with the mom no longer controlling <laughs> meal times and what is eaten. But it's also because there are being away from home for the first time, um, experiencing moods in depths and heights that they've not had, and kind of going to food for comfort. And so this this young person that I was talking to, she was saying, um, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. And um, that concerned me. And so I wanted... I have a habit of going to the Bible for answers. And, and, um, so I looked up the word happiness in my blue letter Bible app concordance and happiness, the word, the English word happiness is not there. It's not in scripture. It's not that happiness isn't in scripture, but our English word happiness is not. And so I'm like, wait a minute, I know God wants his children happy, so why aren't I finding this? And and it turns out, especially in the King James, that it's disguised as the word blessed. Blessed means supremely blessed, by extension, fortunate, well-off. Blessed means happy. So it turns out happiness is in the Bible often. It's disguised as the word blessed. And it also is important to note that happiness is not always feeling like you're laughing or like you're at a party. Um, Happiness is in the long term experiencing all the seasons of life and sticking around with the the show until it gets to a a good chapter <laughs> sticking with the book until it gets to a good chapter until till you get back to a time to laugh a time to reap a time to um so it's it's 
getting around to to those good chapters, those those moments of what we call happiness, has to do with sticking through these um, these difficult times. And so, Matthew five three, Jesus said, "Blessed are the poor in spirit." Now, poor, of course, means lacking, and spirit is the vital principle by which the body is animated, the rational spirit, the power by which a human being feels, thinks, and decides. So when we are in a season where we are lacking in that rational spirit by which we feel, think, and decide, I I have been there. I'm sure you have been there. Blessed are the poor in spirit, when you're lacking in that motivation to get up and go, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, as we continue, we're not talking about the general population. When when the general population of the whole earth is lacking in that motivation, um, they should they should realize and recognize that the kingdom of heaven is theirs. We're talking about um, those who are following Christ. Um, whose mail are you reading? You know, in, I get mail in my mailbox, and my neighbor gets mail in her mailbox. And it's inappropriate for me, it's illegal for me to go into her mailbox. It's a federal, I will be breaking a federal law. If I go into my neighbor's mailbox and get her letter, that is a federal offense. So when you're looking at scripture, one of the things we have to look at is whose mail are we reading? Jesus was not talking to the population of the earth. He was talking to those people who sought him out. They came to him. They went to a lot of inconvenience to hear this sermon on the mount. And so when this, when Jesus said the poor in spirit, he's not talking about all humans who are lacking in that thing that animates them and causes us to feel inspired or motivated. He's, he's reading that that mail is for those who have sought out the Lord. Those in our day who have sought out scripture and are seeking out how to live like Christ. You know, in in um, in Matthew seven twenty one, Jesus says, "Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father is in the kingdom of heaven." So we need to recognize whose mail we are reading. Who inherits the kingdom of heaven? Not not just the poor in spirit, but the one who is seeking and doing the will of the Lord. First Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, the whole verses, I'm just going to tell you a, a piece of that. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. So if a person is living deliberately, unrighteously, that and they are in a state where they are poor in spirit, where they are lacking in in the rational spirit that a human being feels, thinks, and decides, the kingdom of heaven is not theirs. James 2 5, heirs of the kingdom are those that he has promised to those who love him. So the kingdom of heaven is is a promise and it it is to those who love the Lord. 
And so those who are poor in spirit, when we are going through a season of life where we are lacking motivation, we need to recognize that we are fortunate. We are well off. That's what blessed means. We are well off because the kingdom of heaven is ours. And so when we don't have the strength or the motivation or the inspiration to move and to go, the kingdom of heaven is ours. And therefore, we can be happy and we can endure because refreshing will come. So as we continue to look at Christ's perspective of these things, we have to keep it in the context that the blessed, the, the definition of fortunate and well-off and therefore ultimately happy is for those who are seeking the Lord, for those who are trying to live righteously, who are trying to follow the Lord. Jesus went on in Matthew 5, 4, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. We won't experience the comfort of the Lord if we don't mourn. And because we are mourning, not as the world does, but by casting our care on the Lord, we will find him comforting us. And talk about being well off. Oh, you cannot be any more well off than when God comes to you and personally encourages, consoles, strengthens. You know, something else that was interesting when I looked at the the full definition behind this word comfort is it can also mean exhortation, instruction, teach. And so when we are in a season of mourning, we have the opportunity to learn from that. What what is the instruction coming to us from whatever is causing us to mourn? There are a lot of things that can cause us to mourn in this life, to grieve. There are a lot of things that can cause us to lament a season that we're in from financial difficulty to a relationship that is broken. There are so many things that can cause us to mourn. And so because we are mourning, they shall be comforted. Uh, The full definition of comfort is not just to encourage and strengthen by consolation, but also to exhort, instruct, and teach. What are we learning from this situation that is causing us to mourn. Matthew 5, 5, Jesus said, Blessed, well off, happy are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meek means mildness of disposition, gentleness of spirit. You know, you don't need to be meek if there is not something difficult if there's not some kind of contention that is, that is causing you to rise to the occasion and be gentle, something, there is a storm going on if you need to be gentle. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst 
after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So life is not exempt from being hungry and thirsty. I, I am so grateful for every institution that its sole purpose is to feed, physically feed the hungry. But you know, there are extremely wealthy people with cupboards full of food who hunger and thirst. And it is not their bellies, it's their soul that is hungry and thirsty. And people will spend enormous amounts of energy and money to satisfy a hunger and a thirst. And they will by hungering and thirsting for something, they actually repeat and and enlarge the hunger and the thirst. And here's a for instance that has to do with the, the actual tongue and and cravings of an actual taste. So if you are used to eating refined foods with sugars and you the more you eat them, the more you crave them. And the less um you know, whole foods that you eat, fruits and vegetables and so forth, the less of them that you eat, the less you want them. But when you start deliberately turning the table, and, and I've experienced this personally, I used to eat 90% of my diet used to be processed foods and, and sugar re-drinks and so forth. But when you start eating fruits and vegetables and you eat less and less of the processed foods, you create a hunger for the fruits and vegetables. I will literally crave the crunch of carrots. <laughs> and I hated vegetables in general, but especially raw ones. And I will literally, my teeth will almost ache to crunch raw veggies. It's the wildest experience whenever you've not been a healthy person. And so we we create hunger by consuming a thing. And so if we would begin to consume righteousness, we will create a hunger and thirst for more righteousness. And so if we if we start restricting ourselves of the junk food of social media and um, sexuality and um, all, all of those things that the world has a heavy agenda and, and we naturally would crave unless we deliberately build an appetite for the things of God. And if we will restrict ourselves from the things of this, this world that end up tearing us down and we begin to deliberately consume righteousness, the things of God. We study the word of God and we begin to deliberately consume and try to seek after righteousness. We will develop a hunger and thirst for righteousness. And when you develop a hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. You will be satisfied. That's what that word filled means, to fulfill or satisfy. Matthew 5, 7 Jesus said, blessed, fortunate, well-off, happy are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So the only reason you or I have to be merciful, the only reason we have to be merciful 
is for someone to do something terrible to us, for someone to hurt us, for someone to stab us in the back, talk about us, uh, steal something from us. The only reason and way and opportunity for me to be merciful is to experience someone being ugly to me, someone being uh, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. There are situations that I have been ugly toward someone else. Before the Lord, I cannot think of of an instance that I purposefully was ugly to someone, but I also, before the Lord, am honest enough to say that I know that I have offended people in my life. I know that there have been things about my decisions or choices or lifestyle that has caused offense. And so I'm so thankful for those who have given me mercy, even though I hurt them. So blessed are the merciful. You're, you're the only way for you to be merciful is for someone to do you wrong. But you are going to be fulfilled if your reaction to them is to be merciful. If your reaction to that backstabbing is to be merciful. If when they slap one cheek, you give them also the other. The only way for you to be merciful is for that wrong to come. And if we are merciful, we are well off because we will obtain mercy. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, this is, this is such a study within itself. I can't get too deep into it, but the, the, the Proverbs tell us that the heart is deceitful above all who can know it. The heart is so deceitful, who can know it? So, blessed are the pure in heart. This deceitful heart, how do we make it pure? Well, the way you make something pure is to make it really hot. For something to become pure, it has to go through a refining process. purified by fire. And then the the fuller definition says in in a similitude like a vine cleansed by pruning and so fitted to bear fruit, ethically pure. And so we're going to have this heart that we're born with that is so deceitful that it deceives us. That's why I hate the phrase follow your heart. Like, no, no, no. (laughs) The last thing to follow is your heart. Do not follow your heart. The heart is deceptive. It is evil until it's been through some fire, until it's been through some pruning. And when it's been in the fire, that heart begins to become pure. And so we are well off when we've gone through the purification process, the refining process, because then we begin to be able to see God. We begin to be able to discern in 
all of life's confusion. Ah, there is God. And God is such a loving Savior. Matthew 5, 9, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Peacemakers, that that means the dispeller of conflict. So you can't be a peacemaker until there is conflict around you. Until there is conflict and you go out and figure out a way to calm everybody down, not, not to rile people up, not to choose one side or the other. That's not where we find fulfillment. Blessed, fortunate, well-off, happy are the peacemakers. You're going to have to walk into somebody's conflict and calm everybody down. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Be very careful when you overhear conflict that you do not engage in one side or the other. Be so careful to be a peacemaker, to call people to that place of prayer, to to call that friend who is relaying information to you that that could cause you to take one side or another. Be so careful to be a peacemaker, to try to cause them to seek the Lord for wisdom, to not make decisions, to, to, to try to unify. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Matthew 5.10, Jesus says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We're not going to be persecuted for righteousness' sake if we are living in a perfect world, in a perfect environment. Now, I'm not just seeking persecution. I promise you that. I, I avoid it. I am. I do not like conflict. And I'm certainly not seeking persecution on purpose. But if we happen to find ourselves in a place where we are persecuted for righteousness sake, for righteousness sake, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said in Matthew 5.11, blessed are ye, fortunate are you, well, you are well off, you, will, you are happy. When men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad when this happens. When, when for Christ's sake, not because of uh, your own fashion decisions, not for your own political decisions, not, not just in general. But when it's for Christ's sake that people are reviling you, persecuting you, and saying evil against you, even lying against you, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. An example of this occurring is is we see with Paul and Silas. They were put in jail for Christ's sake. And they began to sing and to praise the Lord in those chains. 
And because they were being lied on, persecuted, men were were hating them for Christ's sake, they were persecuted, but their response was to rejoice and be exceeding glad. And so now we come around to why. (laughs) Why do we need to see good in these difficult situations? Why do we have to be the one to rise to the occasion? Why? Well, firstly, because we need to become that better person, that better version of ourselves. Helen Keller said, character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, vision cleared, ambition inspired, and success achieved. We've got to go through these challenging, painful, difficult situations so that we can have that pure in heart, become pure in heart ourselves. That is what enables us to see God. But secondly, we've got to remember that we are following Christ. We are Christ's hands and voice and love in this world. And when we handle these challenging scenarios correctly, we demonstrate to those around us how to get through their own challenges that are very much like ours. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 13, this is immediately following all of these um, scenarios where there's difficulty. Somebody's going to have to wrong you for you to be merciful. There's going to be conflict around you for you to be a peacemaker. There, there, These difficult situations are going to come for you to fulfill them. He goes right into saying in Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the earth. If the salt has lost its savor, how's it going to salt anything? Salt is good for nothing. If it's not salty, if it's lost its savor, it's good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. The reason our response is to be a peacemaker, to be merciful, is to be salty. And he goes on in verse 14, you are the light of the world. You're a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick so that it gives light to all that are in the house. The reason our response has got to be to be the better man, to rise above these situations is so that we can be a light in this dark world. In this dark world, everybody is responding to conflict by choosing a side. We're going to choose to be a peacemaker so that we can shed light. Light is not shed by choosing a side of conflict. Light is shed by being a peacemaker. Light is not shed by when somebody slaps us, we slap them back. No, light is, is made bright when we turn the other cheek. That's what does it. That's what does it. We have to understand that there is purpose in each and every day of our lives when we are a follower of Christ. We don't follow Christ just for ourselves to be saved. Of course, that is the initial reason we start surrendering to Christ is so that we are so that our own soul can be saved, but It's about so much more than that. Our purpose is to be salt and light. 
Salt is used to enhance. We need to enhance life for people. If, if as followers of Christ, we've lost our savor, then we are destructive. If as followers of Christ, we do not enhance life, we are destructive because that's what unsavory salt was used for. If a salt lost its savor, it was kept because nothing was wasted in those ancient days. It was kept and it was utilized when one nation would invade another nation and they would go in and spread salt to kill the crops of their enemy. If we are not being salt, then we are being destructive. And We've got to be light. We are meant to show forth our good works so that others, onlookers, can see our good works and glorify God. We must recognize these scenarios as opportunities. These difficulties are not just difficulties. They are, they are opportunities to be salt and light. Our world is so dark. Our society is so unsavory. And if we're not careful, we'll turn our nose up at at the lifestyles that we find unrighteous, these lifestyles that we find opposing to the word of God and the will of God. But we've got to remember they cannot help their condition. The same way that Jesus came for the sick, we have got to go in this world for the sick If we are not being salt and light on our jobs, in our neighborhoods, in our homes, shame on us. We have been given direction on how to behave, how to respond, how to see challenges of life in Matthew chapter 5. If we look at challenging and, and painful situations with spiritual eyes, we will discover ourselves being the salt and the light that our world craves. Thank you for joining me today for this sacred ritual. Please like and share this podcast. And if you have not yet, please download my free app, Word Song app, for your Android or Apple device. God bless.